best team at that period a time that two or three months period in Scottish football Mark Tierco Bay time we were the best team in the country then not throughout the whole season but at that time we just clicked and that was it plus we needed a bit of luck as well there was nobody I'd rather been the trains with than the group of players won the cup in 97 In the Killy Histories Big Match series, I speak to iconic Kilmarnock players about their time with Scotland's oldest professional football club. We talk about a classic match before discussing their career in a bit more detail. For episode one, I was delighted to spend some time with former captain and Hall of Famer Ray Montgomery in the week of the 23rd anniversary of Kilmarnock's 1997 Scottish Cup victory. I asked Monty to reflect on some of the factors which were key to one of the club's greatest successes from managerial change to learning from past experiences. I'm Gordon Gillen and this is Ray Montgomery's Big Match. Monte, Ayrshire born and bred, can you explain to people just how excited Ayrshire was in the days before that Scottish Cup final? It was absolutely buzzing, so it was. You know, I mean, I'm, as I say, I'm Ayrshire born and bred. I'm just down the road from Kilmarnock and Solcoats. And uh, as everybody knows, got a family business there. It was a pub. And uh, we took eight buses to the Cup final that day from the pub. I just remember the whole place was just buzzing. I've never seen anything in Solcoats like it. And, and so that's obviously in Ayrshire, you know. So just, an unbelievable feeling and magic it was. I've never seen its likes again, you know. Before Kilmarnock's first Scottish Cup final in almost 40 years, there were still crucial games to play, with the team deep in a relegation battle. Did the risk of missing the final play on Monty's mind? The injured side of it didn't come into my head. I was always fired and I was never bothered about getting injured in any game of football. You know, I mean, if you think about getting injured in a game of football as well, no going out in the park, especially when you're playing defender or something like that. So I never at any time in my life worried about how I'd be injured or that. What I did think about going into the, the semi-final, but it was only a fleeting thought, wasn't it? It wasn't a thought that came into my mind. It wasn't coming into my mind every day. It didn't come into my mind, certainly didn't come into my mind in the pitch. I was just a booking away from missing the cup final. So uh, you're playing a semi-final, a cup, you're winning one nothing in the replay and there's two minutes to go. And the thing I remember is uh, Jim McCluskey coming in, I fired into a tackle. Last gas chat, just fired into a tackle. I remember a wee bit restless in that. And Jim, remember Jim, God rest him, do you know what I mean? A lovely, lovely man. He, uh, he said, he said, you don't want to, go in, you don't want to put yourself in the book with only two minutes to go now, do you? 
And that was him just saying to me, go can it, don't be stupid. And I, I can see I thought more about it that last two minutes than I'd done at any time. Once he'd said that to me, I'm going, geez, oh. And that was a long two minutes, let me tell you. He says, with two minutes to go, you don't want to go firing into another tackle like that. And that, that two minutes, I thought more about it in that two minutes than I did in the eight minutes. <laughs> here's, here's my headline. Ray Montgomery in defending sensible referee shocker. <laughs> it sounds like, sounds like that was maybe a bit of sensible refereeing. Yeah, well, referees as well. I, that, in the days, referees would have a wee bit of talk with you. Or, you know, you have a wee bit of banter with referees and you, there was a seriousness and there was a bit of respect to a degree, you know. It's, we now, as I think, referees are now somebody in the stand, there's cameras everywhere. And it's an extremely difficult job they've got. Now, more so now than what it was probably back then because it's, uh, let's be honest, if I watch a game of football and it's a penalty, you see it from every angle nowadays. And if we're all honest with ourselves, I, I, and I've played the game all my life, I still can't even up my mind sometimes whether it's a penalty or not. Talking about VAR and all this, do you know what I mean? Just see when referees made decisions. That was, that. It was, a, cop, it was a talking point in the following day with supporters done and dusted, wasn't it? See, now, make a wrong decision or, and somebody's opinion to make a wrong decision, talked about all week, then the end of the season, talking about, remember that decision? Football's a game for people, it's a simple game, do you know what I mean? Jim just, I mean, would a referee do that nowadays? Somebody knows the game, uh, has a quiet word with you saying, don't be firing, don't be such a stupid boy, don't fire any tackle. But it plants it in your mind and you don't do it. One of the other players in the team, a player that made a significant contribution on the day. Now, Paul Wright was injured in the run-up to the cup final. Did the team set up in a different way in training in the run-up to the final based on Paul Wright being there or not? Or was it just business as usual? He was always going to play. <laughs> Simple as that. Paul Wright was always going to play. <laughs> There's nothing done differently. <laughs> I had no fear of Paul Wright not making that final, you know. Maybe Paul, I don't even think. Paul Paul knew he'd still be there. Paul wouldn't have missed that final, do you know what I mean? That's, Paul Wright was always going to play in the final. So he was always going to be fit to play. He'd always be fit to start the game. He'd always be... He's such an important part of it. Plus, you've got to remember, I'm not saying it's psychological, but uh, if, you're, if you're putting out the information and he was in, you had a wee injury, but if you're making it out a wee bit more worse than the situation really is, it's mind games, you know what I mean? It's, it's a professional game. It's psychological. I'm not saying it was mind games. What I'm saying is, it's all part of everything, eh? It's all part of dressing up and preparing for a fight, preparing for a big game. Trains your mind. And I wonder what then the impact on the Falkirk players, because Paul Wright was Kilmarnock's top scorer. Probably would be, because Paul Wright was, you know, Paul Wright, I can say, and he played with uh, us, and Paul Wright been underestimated, eh, his uh, career. But Paul Wright, maybe in a Rangers team or a Celtic team, it was a more, more attacking team. He, he would be up there with the rest of them, do you know what I mean? The top goal scorers in Scotland and that. Paul Ray was a phenomenal finisher. Phenomenal he was. He, he was fantastic for us that, that, that season. He was so such a nice kicker of the ball. Such a good touch in the ball. Paul Ray was on a pen. I'm not saying he scored them all, you know what I mean? But uh, I'm money about them all the time. Such a nice, lovely hit of the ball. Very, very, very nice. Times easy for Falkirk, Billy. Well, you, you know that Kilmarnock are really more of a threat at the minute than Falkirk. And clearly, it would be difficult for Falkirk to lose a goal at this stage. 
What would you say, Monte, were the strengths? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the team, because I know you played in several different iterations of the Kilmarnock team, the cup final team in particular. What were the strengths of that team? The team that played in the cup final? Yes. Do you know that was the only time that team ever, that ever been played? I didn't. Well, there you go. That's the only time that starting ever been played for Kilmarnock. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of fans maybe not know that, but uh, you can... Uh, Get back in touch with me and prove me wrong, maybe, but I don't think you will. But uh, that's if that's the only team that that starting eleven ever play for Kilmarnock. Undefeated that team. <laughs> the squad as a whole, then, if we're talking about the team, you know, in that in that kind of end of '97 season. The end of that season '97, that was uh, just a really good period to be at the football club. The guys were weren't superstars. I don't know if I'd do them. I, I would certainly do them a disservice. I said never jumped them in pros, but we're just. A squad of professional footballers, only a team of stars. We had uh, we had youth on our side, we Began and Buck, we had experience, the likes of myself and Ferson and McGowan, McIntyre on the right, who the two of them clicked together, you know, and two good goal scorers who had good touches of the ball. I mean, you look back at that period in time, you can, I think the big strength they call man up team round about that team is you look, look at it, look at like it's a, Mitchell, McPherson, Riley, probably myself, you know, four or five players there. If you add their games up, it's over a thousand games, you know, over a period of years. So the foundation was there. Everybody wanted what's best for everybody, so they did. You know, no, no, no superstars in that, that team at all. It was just a really good period to be at the football club. I've never experienced, I'd never experienced anything uh, like it. I'm, I'm going back to like, so 92 to 97, right enough to you know, I'm, I'm covering that as a period. I'm not just talking about 97 because I feel as if I've got to bring in a first year in the Premier League because that's where the foundation that, that led to the cup wing was built on. So I say the, the foundation work that we went to Premier League, the basis of that team was, was all there. You know what I mean? And it just all came together at the right time. Introduction of the, the youngsters that came in as well. It's interesting you saying that. I'd, um, this is a bit of a spoiler alert for a future episodes. I had a little chat with Tommy McLean. He was saying the exact same thing about the 1965 team, which is, to paraphrase him, don't underestimate the importance of really good professional players. The way you're describing the 97 team is the same as the oh. way he described the 65 team. Yeah, good habits and we learned for good people. You know what I mean? It was, uh, and I must say, 94. I keep going back to 94 because we got beat the semi-final with Rangers in 94, I think it was. After two games at Hamden, we were robbed. That team, that team in 94, that deserved to win the cup that year. That just still hurts me because that team didn't go it in 94. You know what I mean? We did it in 97. We got what it was in 97. But that team in 94 should have done it. How would you have described yourself as a player? As a player, I would say... Uh, I was honest, gave 100%. You know, I don't think you can ask anybody to... If you give your all to anything you do, I don't think you can be faulted. today. 
You know what I mean? I'd always, I'd always, I'd always do, do my best. And all honestly, I know a lot of players like playing against me. I know that. And that's an indication. I mean, forwards, I mean, there's players that you've played against uh, and you look at how many goals have scored against you and that, and you look at them and if you ask them, they'll say, no, no, I mean, I was in a game against him. Do you know what I mean? That's good enough for me. You know, it's just give everything you've got. Eh? Just be as honest as you can be with yourself. Over the time at Kilmarnock, uh, I think every time we're in upper, we're in upper class, we're upper division, I seem to raise my game. So I did. So it's not for me to judge you. No, for me. I haven't. Listen, you know what I mean? You live the dream, eh? You, you, you're fortunate enough in life to play professional football. You're even more fortunate to, to win something, to get an honour when you, when you play, doing something that you love to do and a place you love to be at. So, yeah, life's good, eh? In December 1996, with the team struggling, Alex Totten was replaced as manager by Bobby Williamson, initially on a caretaker basis. I asked Monty what impact the rookie manager had. Bobby Williamson, teammate of yours, and then taking over in the role as manager, what was his team talk man management style like? It was, you say, friend of mine, pal of mine, you know, player, teammate of mine. And uh, he's come in and he's got it. He's got the team uh, and he's come in and Bobby knew the players better than Alex and known the players. He, he knew their strengths and weaknesses and what had been built on prior to Alec coming. And Alec had maybe changed things around a little bit, made maybe maybe too many changes, maybe tried to stamp his authority uh, in his own team. And when Bobby came in, he went back to the sort of way that we did prior to Alec coming. He knew our strengths as individuals, what we were like, and what player could do what and what they couldn't do. And we sort of went back to that sort of way of thinking all the players, you know what I mean? We, we took that on board. and He knew our strengths and weaknesses. He knew what, what players to play and what not, not to play, what he was going to get and what he wouldn't get for certain types. And uh, He brought that out as a, do you know what I mean? There was a lot of sort of struggling. I, myself, I was struggling, I was struggling there. Alec had made a lot of changes at the club, a lot of changes. I was in, I was out of the team, and I thought that was a, a wee bit unfair, as you would when you're not playing. And Bobby comes back in, and he's Alex got me in the team the week before he gets sacked, fair enough. And Bobby, Bobby sticks with me. He knows what he's getting. He knows he, he he's played me. He he knows what I'm like. He maybe I, I'm just being from my own point of view there. The garden you've asked me what I think uh, a different was. I think Bobby knew the players. He knew the club a bit better than Alec had known the club. He knew what was expected of us and what we could do. And he didn't want to go making too many changes. But in saying that, he brought in the Began and Burke youngsters because he'd been taking them in the reserves. So he knew what they could do. Well, maybe Alec didn't see them so much. He knew what players like myself, Mitchell McPherson could do. Well, maybe struggling a wee bit under Alec at times. There was a bit of chopping and changing. I know that sometimes injury and suspension, but Derek Anderson played a good few games. You played a good few games. Kevin McGowan played a good few games. And Neil Whitworth played a good few games. So even in that centre-back area, was there maybe a wee bit of the chopping and changing affected things? De- definitely affected us. And that's, that's how it didn't work out, mate. Possibly for our heirs, too many, too many changes. Where prior to that, we were rigid. We knew what exactly with that sort of basic back four then. For a period in time, we were, these two were playing, or that two was playing. And, and I think it's it's a it's a key it's a key area of the 
the part there, the fence, you know, everything's built in the, the football. I was, you know, it's all the foundations at the back, you know, and you take it from there. If you don't lose games, you if you don't lose goals, you might lose uh, matches. You know, you've got to score goals as well, right? And you've got to play football. But if you don't, uh, if you don't lose goals, you might lose the matches. And, and just and look, look at Stevie Clark. Look at Stevie Clark. He came with that attitude the past two years. That same attitude that Tommy had, that he instilled in us. That's what Stevie instilled in the team the past season. Don't lose, build for the back. Don't lose goals. Stay tight. Get your get your back four sorted out. Just make things simple and take it for there. And look at the season and a half that Stevie had. So all your good managers, I feel, make it simple. They know that know their players, they know their best positions. They try not to make too many changes, but they also keep it strong at the back. You know, and I, and, I, and I'm 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 not I'm I don't think I'm being negative in that. But Steve McCart's a fantastic manager. Tommy Burns is a fantastic manager. So it's good enough for them. Good enough for me. Ninety-four was that a motivator for you? Is that something that was at the back of your mind? 90- in 94, I can honestly say that gave us a belief. We came so close in 94. The boys I was speaking about there, that gave us a belief that we could do it. Eh? That gave us a belief that we've just we've scraped it here. Do you know what I mean? We should have got that. We should, we should win this game tonight. But, but you know what? We can do this. And that built from there. Eh? It built on. There was a belief then. There's a belief since we went into the Premier League, but there's a belief after that semi-final that it was it was coming. I certainly felt that that we could do it. I asked Monty to reflect on the Kilmarnock he joined in 1988. More than a decade of part-time football had changed the club significantly. Being honest, in terms of when you signed from Dumbarton, what did you think was the, the most you could achieve joining Kelly? The most I could achieve, being honest, joining from uh, Dumbarton was winning a cup. It was the most I could achieve. I didn't think I'd relegate us in the first year, right enough. <laughs> Came to Kilmarnock from a good Dumbarton team at the time, you know, we played in the Premier League and, and the opportunity to go to Kilmarnock the year before. But those days, Cubs could hang on to you. That's a different story. But um, when I went to Kilmarnock from Dumbarton, it was, to be honest with you, the best I could probably hope for was a cup win, you know what I mean? Like, like any other provincial club, anybody knows anything about football knows that you need a lot of money to win a league now in Scottish football and that winning a cup is doable. So it's so, always that sort of thing. Yeah, maybe win a cup one day, a boy who dream win a cup, who knows? So I went with that in mind. Was the club in a position for a player signing to think Kilmarnock could win the cup at some stage? Because it was down in its no. luck at that point. No, 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 not at all. You know, I mean, Kilmarnock were. I, I knew the potential of Kilmarnock coming from Salford. You know, I, I, I mean, we're local club. I knew the potential of Kilmarnock's always been there. You couldn't see it happening because uh, I, I think in '88 we got relegated our first year, and I think that was a good thing for the club actually because we took that backward step. We got relegated, and uh, we got further investment that year. And, with the further investment, it led to his, uh, two promotions, I think, in three years or something like that, and the club going full-time. So the investment that came, they knew they were they were Ayrshire people, Ayrshire businessmen, and they also knew the potential of Kilmarnock. So I would say it was the people from Ayrshire, they knew the potential of the football club. Uh, I knew it could be there. I was hoping it would be there. Uh, but no, I knew it would be there. 
but uh, at that period in time, it was it was there's a lot of work needing to be done. Did you have any doubts about joining? Not at all. Not at all. Not didn't have any. I, actually, if you you you'll not know this, but uh, I had to walk out in Dumbarton at the time. I was I'd walked out in the club for two three weeks at the time because I could have went, I got the opportunity to go to Kilmarnock a year before and uh, Kilmar, uh, Dumbarton had priced me out of the game so uh, the transfer fee that Dumbarton was asking for uh, Kilmarnock weren't willing to pay it so another year further down the line uh, Eddie Morrison had phoned me up and asked me for my contract's up again he says I want you to come to Kelly that's your contract up now he says we'll put in a bid for you but still wouldn't you let me go and uh, Bertie always the manager at uh, Dumbarton at the time. He put me in and said, we've had Dumbarton in for you. Said, Sorry, we've had Dumbarton in for you. Uh, but a good club for you to go to, down your way. I said, it would be. He says, but the club's not letting you go. I says, oh no. I says, there's a surprise. So uh, he says, well, you know what to do, eh? I says, what's that? He says, well, don't come back. I says, Bertie, okay. <laughs> a bit of advice for him, don't come back. So I went home for Dumbarton training that night and no went in the half, went in the cream puff, so I took the chance of no going back to training. Lasted for about a fortnight, and then I got a phone call from uh, Eddie Morrison saying, they're going to let us, they're going to, going to uh, let you go. So I'm back up to the back on a Thursday night training, just appeared, and I look right. And one of the directors came in and says to me, right, Monty, you can go down and sign for Combarnock uh, tonight. You've got your dream, you can sign for them, we're letting you go. And it was £12,000. <laughs> so uh, the club paid £12,000 for me, you know what I mean? I think my fee had dropped, eh? Came down for this, so it got me a grand old summer, £12,000, you know what I mean? It was brilliant. It was great. Flew down the, flew down the road, you know, on Thursday night. Got to come out. Still, still can remember to this day going through the, the old gates that were there, do you know what I mean? And arriving in the back part and the boys were just playing. And of course, I knew a couple of the boys at the time. Uh, Rob was shooting my train and all that because I played against him so often. Obviously, you know, I was down, and I was down to sign or something. You know, and you, something was happening, you know. And I went up and uh, signed. I went in and met uh, Walter McRae, you know, and Walter. Everybody, he had a presence. I'd known him, but I didn't know him to speak. You know, the man had a presence. He takes me up to the boardroom and uh, signs, signs my deal. And uh, I went to train with him that night. And it was great. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. I was absolutely buzzing. Absolutely buzzing, so it was fantastic. Never looked back since. Best thing I've done, 30 odd years ago. Brilliant. Brilliant. Mm. I still get the same buzz going into the part of the news that I did 30 odd years ago, you know. Although I'm not playing, uh, that buzz is still there, you know. Definitely is. My thanks to Ray Montgomery for sharing some of his memories of the Scottish Cup final of 1997. An iconic moment in the club's 150 year history. With promotions, last day dramas and European adventures still to discuss, I will be sure to speak to Monty again. This interview was recorded by video call in May 2020. The Big Match series is a Killy Trust project which has received terrific backing from the Kilmarnock FC Former Players Association. Keep a lookout for our social media pages for news of future interviews.
In episode 2, I will be speaking at length with a Kilmarnock Hall of Fame member about one of the most famous cup upsets in Scottish football history. The theme music, Clear Progress, by scottholmesmusic.com is used under free Creative Commons licence. See you next time. The cup final, who was my man of the match? Uh, I had to uh, drag a record it for his sake. We were across the goals in the final, final part of the game and grabbed Winfrey under the crossbar, you know what I mean? I said to him after the game, Jago, that was enough to get money and match for me, you know. It was a fantastic save, it was so near to losing it. Everything I've been given by support, I've kept everything I've forwarded, do you know what I mean? Because it's special, eh? It's been special to somebody. And uh, then when you come back, you tell my wee story, everyone's got a wee story to it, do you know what I mean? And that's important to people. It's the small things in life that means a lot.